Welcome, everybody, to Greater Depths Podcast. I am so excited for this episode that we have today. Um, I, In my burden for this podcast, I have had the wonderful opportunity of having a lot of well-seasoned ministers, uh, people like Brother Jonathan Sanders, Brother Joshua Brego, uh, Brother Gerald Staten, different people that have come and have shared a lot of their life experience and have spent many years in ministry. But I think for the first time on Greater Depths history, we are having a younger minister that is going to be here. We went to Bible college together. We have a good friendship together. And uh, he has been here. I won't tell too much about you because sure. that's what you can say. But we have spent time together here at the same home church, and uh, I thought it would be great to have him come and share. He, uh, I wouldn't say he's not as seasoned as, a, as an older minister. He's spent some time uh, walking in the ministry. God has him in, but I believe he's going to share a lot of wisdom, a lot of uh, good topics with what we're going to talk about today. So I have with me Brother Andre Gomez. Thank you for being with me in Greater Depths. Tell some of the listeners that might not know you about yourself. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, bro, for the opportunity of being able to be a part of this podcast. I feel like it's been a while, um, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the Lord places upon your spirit one more time to do this and impact both the young and old. Um, and so, as you said, we went to Bible college together. I was there four years um, Christian Life College specifically. Um, I grew up in Southern California in the LA area in a city called Pomona, where I grew up going to a Spanish church. Um, and there around my junior year, sophomore, junior year of high school, I felt a call to go to Bible college. I went to an experience, which is the preview week. And I mean, my life was just altered after that. I've really felt the calling of God directing me there a lot of things were going to happen in between that time. And so I made my way to Bible college in 2018. I believe you had already been there a year, um, which I think we met in experience, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, you was doing like vlogs and stuff like that, man. I remember. Yeah, that's, that's way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I remember meeting you there. Um, and I, I think we started getting close more towards like my junior year. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so we ministered quite a bit together at the college. I remember my sophomore year, your junior year, while, while our good friend Joel was student body president, and so we kind of built a ministry relationship. But anyway, yeah, so I went to Bible college for four years, and then a year, a year before I graduated, the Lord made it very clear for me that I was supposed to be in Kerman. Um, and about a month before I graduated, I met with Pastor Sanders, which is now our pastor. Mm -hmm. And now we're here and traveling full time, um, preaching in different places, um, had the opportunity to go to different countries now. And it's been amazing. God's been so good to me. Um, and he's he's shown his power and his glory to me in a very special, special way that I'm very grateful for. Yeah. And I am I'm so glad that you're able to come and to shed some light on uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I think I have seen, too, I mean, since growing out of Bible college, I've grown. I've seen myself grow. You learn a lot at Bible college, but I think you do a lot more learning 
in your time outside of Bible college, you get the life experiences and oh yeah, and uh, I've seen that with you and you know we've both been able to be at basing out of the same home church and seen each other develop a little bit and yeah that's been cool to see. Um, I want to tackle this topic today because uh, I feel like uh, I have seen it in myself as a young man, and then I can see it in a lot of young men and women that kind of struggle with finding their identity in God. Uh, who am I in God? Where do I fit in His kingdom? Well, just questions like that, and uh, especially... I would say I'm, I'm thankful that God spoke to me in a clear way sure. about, uh, about my life, about the direction of my life. But I also understand that God doesn't always give everybody the same experience. Right. And so there's some people that they don't hear an audible voice of God or have a burning bush experience on the direction of their life. Right. But God always leads us into who we are in him and we can always find our identity in his word sure and so um i don't know if you want to start let's let's start by just dissecting that what what do we mean when we're asking you know what is your identity in god yeah well obviously who you are in god and as an as a personal experience growing up in church my parents my parents were in church uh pretty much my whole life and um I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was like 14, 15. And mm. so I love I love the Lord mm. um, and everything. And I'd go to church, I'd go to services. And obviously there's times where you growing up, I mean, you got to get it for yourself. And so when I finally got mm. it for myself after some some difficult situations and circumstances, I got it for myself. And I, I received the Holy Ghost before I got baptized in Jesus' name. It's kind of funny. I, I say that I got the Holy Ghost the uh book of Acts way, at least in Acts chapter two, when they were sitting. So I got the Holy Ghost while I was sitting down. Oh, wow. They hadn't even made the altar call um, yet. And, but I was hungry. I was, mm-hmm. I was hungry. I had made up my mind I was going to live for the Lord. And so I got the Holy Ghost. And I think after that and being baptized in Jesus' name, that's what really began to shape my identity and who I am in God. Now, can I, can I interject and ask, were you raised in church your whole life? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was raised in church. My dad actually grew up. He grew up a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as you, I mean, you can say it that way. My grandfather he is uh, a pastor in Mexico, but he uh, he's not have the full revelation of truth mm-hmm. uh, for back for lack of better terms. And so he came to the United States. My dad did. My mom as well, and they had the revelation of who Jesus Christ truly was. And so I was born a year after that. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. And so so you got the Holy Ghost and then and then God started yeah. putting this fire in you. Yeah, man. So I actually coming from that church, I didn't even know Bible college was a uh, was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um we wouldn't really go to many other conferences from other churches. Um so it was just kind of the going to church there and youth services and special services. And they were pretty big in uh, morning prayer. So I remember I had a penny board and I would ride, ride to prayer in the morning um, every morning. And then I would have somebody drop me off in my high school. 
So that's kind of how God began to do something in my life through the avenue of prayer and relationship with him, which I think mm-hmm. it's that's what really builds your identity in God or reveals yeah. who you truly are in God. Because I believe that your identity and calling are two completely different things, right? So yeah. um, one of the main uh, portions of scripture that we read uh, concerning on our, our identity, I believe it's when Paul writes a court regarding our predestination to be conformed unto the image of his son. And yeah. so we're called to be the sons of God, right? So, um, and in that, we are called to be conformed unto Jesus Christ, which is to be like Jesus, yeah. you know, to walk like Jesus did, to talk like Jesus did. So I didn't learn that automatically. Matter of fact, I think I learned that throughout Bible college and even after Bible college, because a lot of young people wrap their identity around what they do in the ministry or what yeah. they do behind the pulpit yeah. or what they do while they're holding an instrument. Well, the problem with that is that when that's taken away and stripped away and sometimes even by God himself, well, where's your identity? Mm-hmm. You place it behind the pulpit. You place it. It, it. it doesn't even have to be a public ministry. It can be doing the media. It can be stacking up chairs. Yeah. The moment you place your identity in something else rather than the fact that you're a son of God and you're called to walk with him and have a relationship with him, um, that'll bring disaster to your life. It's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous. And so one of the one of the most interesting characters in scripture to me is Enoch, being that mm-hmm. there's so little spoken about Enoch, bro, you know, and there's a portion of scripture that says that he prophesied, alluding to that he was a prophet, yeah. uh, which he very, very well may, may have been a prophet. But the very fact that his testimony was that of he walked with God, yeah. he pleased God until he was taken, until he was not. And so that's where our identity should be wrapped up in, the fact that we have a relationship with God, a walk with God, we're the sons of God, them that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So that's something yeah. that I had to learn throughout, throughout my life, in Pomona, throughout my life in Stockton, and even now in Kerman, that ministry is not the pinnacle of my life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I was I was about to mention that verse, as many as are led by the Spirit, right. they are the sons of God. And that's like, we have to understand as young people, you know, if we're specifically talking about a, a young person or somebody my age, that they're looking for a sense of purpose because um, I remember hearing, or, or yeah, I was hearing about this that in, that in, there, in the different age groups, there's you know in your in your early years, you know from when you're born up into maybe like your early adulthood, you're learning about life. You're right. learning about you know this is where you have a lot of your firsts. You learn how to walk. You learn how to talk. You eventually start to learn how to drive you know, different things. Right. But then when you hit this age group of, you know, about 18 to 30, you're in a new season where now you're looking for your purpose. Sure. And a lot of times people mistake it as I'm looking for my calling and my calling is my identity. Yeah. Well, if I find that I'm supposed to be a pastor I'm supposed to be a youth pastor or even small things like you said, uh, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't downplay these things, but I'm supposed to be a sound man. It's an important thing. Sure. But 
whether it's a, uh, what we would say is a big ministry or a small ministry, none of them are wrapped in your identity. Right. And then you hit this age group of 30 to, to about 50. Yeah. And you're trying to find your, am I being the most effective in my purpose? Right. Then you hit your elder years and have I done enough? You know, right. in, in what my purpose is. But it's this it's a season that like you and I are in now. And in the average season where a young adult is trying to find who they are, but we have to understand that we don't find our identity in what we do for God. We find our identity in having a relationship with God. Right. And when you begin to walk with the Lord, then you realize well, if I'm a child of God, that's who I am. Right. And a child is obedient to the Father. Right. And yeah, and that's what I was gonna that was that's what I was gonna mention as well. I mean, you find your calling through the obedience, through your everyday obedience in your walk with God. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm traveling full time, but that's not my identity. Mm-hmm. I begin to walk in that because I was obedient to the Lord, you know, and that's where he led me. That's where he's leading me right now. Um, but that wasn't always that way, you know. I'm, I wasn't always traveling full-time or I wasn't always in Bible college, but I just yeah. knew, I, you know, I, I love this portion of Scripture, Acts chapter 6, verse 4, where the apostles made up their mind and said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Mm-hmm. And I know... Um, reading the context of that scripture that's specifically talking about the apostles there. But I think that if you have the opportunity um, for somebody listening as a young man, that for me, my pathway was to go to Bible college mm-hmm. and God made a way for me to be there. And even now being in Kerman and having the possibility to really give myself over to prayer and the ministry of the word, um, you should do it, you know? Yeah. And that will open up your future into what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and I think of like, if God gives you the opportunity where I would say, even in the time where I was working my full-time job, yeah, I still had the time right. to give myself to prayer and the word. And, um, but when you, when you don't do things like that, you're trying to be obedient to the father and the Father lets you know. Jesus Christ lets you know. You are, you know, for, the, for your instance, yeah. uh, you are called to be a traveling minister. Right. Now, does that mean, okay, give me my pulpit? That's not what it looks like. Right. Now that you know, okay, God has told me this is the direction I'm taking. What are you going to do with that? You know, yeah. are you going to seek that platform are you yeah. going to seek a pulpit or are you going to start to dig in are you going to start to pray and start to you know seek a word from god because we understand that i hope i'm not throwing you for a loop yeah 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 no, you're good <laughs> um we understand that we are not supposed to pray for a message right like, that's not the reason why we pray right but now that we're given the responsibility of ministering and, and um, 
giving a word from God yeah. to his church, we do need to give proper study and right. proper time of uh, prayer. And because how are you going to walk in a call that God has given you without any preparation? Right, right. And so it's we've we've talked about this earlier about or I think I was talking to somebody else about this, about the whole concept of earning something. Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't earn you know, I can't go on a seven-day fast and then tell God, all right, I did my seven-day fast. Uh, my reward should be, let me, let me preach more. Yeah, we could go into a whole, yeah. a whole thing about that. Yeah, but you're praying and you're studying and you're fasting. Why? To fulfill that purpose and that predestination mm-hmm. of being conformed unto <laughs> the image of his son, which yeah. Jesus Christ, right? Um, so that's why we do that. And yeah. now after that calling is placed upon us, God is so gracious and so merciful that he'll allow us to go through seasons of intense prayer and fasting and study mm-hmm. of the word. After I came to Kerman, which was a God thing, God would speak to me through dreams. God would speak to me through different men of God. And you got to understand, I didn't have that close of a connection with Pastor Sanders Mm-hmm. So for me, it was going to be very interesting how it all was, how it all was going to unfold. I didn't know how it was going to unfold. I just knew I had a word from God and I was going to come here. I did not know exactly um, how I was going to travel full time. Matter of fact, and I'm kind of hesitant in saying this, but I don't, I don't remember ever God telling me you're going to be an evangelist or you are an yeah. evangelist. Yeah. And I knew that I was going to travel. I did know that. But God never said, you're an evangelist. Then again, mm-hmm. we can go on about the definition of an evangelist yeah. and what organizational uh, definitions are for the ministry of an evangelist. Yeah. I mean, we can probably touch on that topic later. But anyway, God never really t- told me, you're going to be an evangelist. But there was some sort of understanding of what I was called to do after Bible college. Yeah. Well, I got here and bro, I wasn't preaching anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. at most, maybe I was preaching once a month. And now I'm coming to Kerman and I don't have family here. I don't have anybody here. I just know Pastor Sanders. I know you, which I was very thankful for because mm-hmm. you trailblaze for a lot of a lot of us and more people that are gonna be coming since you were technically the first one. Um, from yeah, I guess out of CLC, yeah, right, right after CLC, mm-hmm. that that came to Kerman to be here in Pentecostal Tabernacle under Pastor Sanders. But I went months, bro, and I actually did apply for a job. So I applied for a job, mm-hmm. and I got hired. Well, when I got hired, I had already spent a few, I don't know, two, two, three months that um, I was here in Kerman. Well, I, I was, I live at the church. And I was praying, I was fasting, I was I was trying to get trying to go deeper with God. Yeah. Got hired. And when I got hired and I had to do all the paperwork to now mm-hmm. start, that's when I start getting invited to preach. I got invited to preach in Oregon. I got invited to preach in Washington. Mm-hmm. So I come back and I, I, you know, I had to put the paperwork aside and I talked to Pastor Sanders. And I was like, hey, like these invitations are coming in. And I had told him about me getting a job. He said it was a good idea. And I remember he was driving and he told me, well, I think it's time for you to start living by faith. 
and we'll see what mm-hmm. God does. Yeah. And bro, God started opening doors for me. And I just started walking through those doors. I know they were God open doors and God actually started dealing with me about open doors. And I'll just mention this. The problem is not an open door. The problem is being at the right place at the right time to enter into that open door. Yeah. And so the Bible speaks about doors that no man can shut. They're mm-hmm. God open doors. It's already open. Yeah. And if God opens them, bro, like they're open, you know, you can walk through them. The problem is that many times we're not at the right place at the right time to go into those open doors. Yeah. And so God allowed me to be prepared to be there at the right place at the right time for two, three months to be praying and fasting and getting closer to him in his word that allowed me to be at the specific place at the specific time to enter into those doors. Yeah. You know? And the way to be in the right place at the right time is you got to be led by the spirit. Right. And it circles back to, and as many as are led by the spirit, they're the sons of God. These are the sons of God. And that's, that's it because that's so important too. You, when you think about it, we're looking for an open door. We're looking for the opportunity. Where's it at? Where's the next place I need to be? And you got to remember if God, if God is leading you in this direction, he's got the path already laid for you. He's right. got the door open. It's a door no man can shut. That's a revelation right there Right. that the door is open, but am I being led by the Spirit to that door? Or am I being led by my flesh, trying to make my own way, veering away off the path that God has laid for me? Right. And speaking about being obedient to the Spirit, um, obviously we pray and we read the Word and we Mm -hmm. do it out of a hunger for God. And fasting is the same way. Now, in Bible college, I'll share this, in Bible college, there was almost this pressure of like you having to do certain spiritual things to kind of feel like you're spiritual. And that's Mm -hmm. not just in Bible college, that's in general. Yeah. And it almost seemed like you had to perform your way into some things or perform your way into feeling like you're spiritual. Yeah. I think that that might even just be a man thing. Yeah. Well, bro, I was trying to go on, on a certain amount of days of fasting and I would always break it. Yeah. I would always break it. Until the Lord one time spoke to me and said, you're going to start this day and finish this day. And I actually told the Lord, I was like, Lord, I've been trying to go on these amount of days and I can't do it. How are you telling me to go more? How are you telling me to go longer? And he gave me that understanding of walking in obedience. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, if you do a fast out of obedience, it's a whole different ballgame than going on a fast just because you want to go on a fast. I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm and people might might say, might believe what they want. And I think we can have a, a discussion about this and a conversation about this. But I believe that a three day fast out of obedience, that you have a word from God and He carries you through a, to a three day fast mm-hmm. does more for you than a seven day fast that you did just because you wanted to go on a seven day fast. Yep. And so I truly believe that. And so when God called me, and I'm, I'm a big advocate for extended fast. I believe we're not fasting enough as a generation, to be honest. Yeah. And we've diluted the definitions of fasting to a media fast, which people yeah. mention that, oh, I'm on a media fast, and it mm-hmm. seems like such a sacrifice. 
I mean, we've lived, we've both lived without media for X amount of time. And I think if there was elders that never had this kind of media, they never even had it. And some young person were like, oh yeah, I'm going through such a sacrifice. I have, I'm going through a media fast. They kind of look at us like, bro, what, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know? So I think fasting is, as some would put it, not eating. And if you're eating, you're not fasting. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I believe. Um, well, because in the Bible, nobody fasted from media. Right. They didn't even have, I mean, what was their form of media? Going and seeing the foot races or, right. or the Olympics or something. But fasting in the Bible was always them abstaining from food and getting a hold of God. And getting a hold of God... A part of that was them shutting away. Right. Daniel shut himself away. I mean, he opened his window and he prayed. Right. But I believe he was he was shut away from every other source of influence so he could get a hold of God. And so fasting biblically in, in its definition was abstaining from food. Right. In order to bring yourself, your physical body. And this is how I've heard it explained to me is you are bringing your physical body closer to death, right? which is bringing you closer to God. And by doing so, that's, that's the importance of not having food. Well, when you take out media, you're only doing a fraction of what you're supposed to do when you fast anyways. Right. Every time you fast, you should be... I mean, I, people, I guess, can, can <laughs> try to text me or yeah, have a yeah. conversation with me about it, but... I think every time you fast, you should shut away from that because sure. I've seen the trap in myself. Right. When, if I don't do that, then what am I going to do? I'm going to not be eating. I'm going to be on YouTube all day. Right. Because your your flesh is still trying to be And fed. that's what your spirit is consuming at that point. Yeah. I mean, the YouTube videos and Instagram and yeah. Facebook. It's not, it's not a food, a physical sustenance of food. Right. But you're feeding your spirit right. worldly things instead of spiritual things. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot when, like I said, it's not a God-called fast. Yeah. You know, there's some individuals that have strong disciplines to fast, and they can fast, bro, you know, a long, like a many amount of days, and they're good, mm-hmm. you know? and Some people do it that aren't even yeah, living that, for God. Yeah, that are not, it's not for spiritual reasons, Yeah, you know? But you really have to be in tune with the Spirit of God and the voice of God to hear when God is calling you on that fast. And when he mm-hmm. calls you, I'm telling you, he's going to carry you. Oh, yeah. He's going to carry you. I mean, in that, I spoke about that moment, that, that time, those moments where I was in Kermit not preaching. I was just here. I, had, I wasn't working a job. And God was calling me on those extended fasts mm-hmm. that... I'll be honest, there was a little bit of doubt there because I had never done something like that. Yeah. I had never gone for so many days without food, just water. And I mean, it was a, there was a hesitancy there, but at the same time, I know, I knew what I had heard from God. And the moment that I heard that from God, I knew, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah. And God would carry me and God would take me all the way to the end, to where I can finish and, and tell the Lord, well, you know, like this is, I, I obeyed, like I, yeah. I was obedient. I remember one time the Lord called me on an extended fast and it was the longest fast I had gone. And I actually did not know exactly why I had 
I was going to go on this fast. I just knew God called me on this fast. And the only thing that I felt in my spirit on why I was supposed to go on this fast was because I was getting ready to go to some places physically mm-hmm. that I needed to get there. If they, I needed to get there first spiritually. Yeah. And so I was just obedient to God. And I had a friend that he asked me, I was like, bro, why are you going on this fast? And I was like, bro, this is what I feel. I heard the voice of God. This is what I feel in my spirit. And I did not know what was going to happen in the following months. Well, the following months, I was going to go to Mexico, to Mm -hmm. South Mexico, in a place where there's no apostolic church. And we were going to baptize seven individuals in Jesus' name. And then the following month, I was going to go to India, where many people got the Holy Ghost. And after we left, they baptized um, several amount of several amounts of young, of young people, yeah. And so, obviously, I did not do it for that reason, but the prayer and the fasting, in obedience to God and in hunger for God, prepared me to get to those places and in, in physically, and yeah. I got there first spiritually. Yeah, you know, that's right. So I was just I was just in obedience to the Lord. I wasn't trying to compete with anybody. I wasn't trying to make myself more spiritual. Um, or or think of myself as more spiritual because I went on a fast. I was just trying to walk with God. Then again, these concepts have been learned uh, from Pastor Sanders. He's yeah. done a great job in letting us know like you don't you don't earn nothing. You know you don't. This is a relationship with God, a walk with God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Yep. Just wake it's up biblical. every morning. Wake up every morning and be obedient. Yeah. Talk to the Lord, you know, uh, read the word, stay in the word. You know, just because you go pray one hour in the morning doesn't mean that you got to shut off the avenue of prayer throughout your day. Yeah, I mean, exactly. God can speak as clearly as he does in my morning devotion or at the nighttime when I pray as he can right now, right here, right now. Yeah. Why? Because the avenue of prayer should be open all the time. Yep. So when we talk about extended amount, extended times of prayer and fasting, yes, it's a sacrifice, but I believe that God honors obedience more than He does sacrifice. Yeah. And so going back to the to going, going back to what I mentioned in the beginning, um, we got to start doing these things out of obedience. Yeah. Now I'm not saying we got to pray and fast more. I believe God is calling us to more rather than less. Mm-hmm. But we got to do these things in obedience. Oh yeah, and and that's you got to find the line because you can be carnal, you could, you know, be living. However, and if you're not being obedient to God, but then you go and pray four hours at one time, yeah, how do you think God's going to honor that? Right. You know, if you're still, if you're still living like the world, if you're still, you know dealing with the same addictions or struggles and you are not actively pushing yourself to a place of freedom and to a place of obedience to God, but yet you're going on a five-day fast, on a seven-day right. fast. You're praying multiple hours a day. There's First of all, where's the balance in that? Yeah. But second of all, how can God honor that if, yes, you might be giving some time to him, but you're not honoring him with your life. Right. And it's this, I've seen it culturally, this separation. You know, they there's the law, separation of church and state. You know, the, yeah. the United States law, separation of right. church and state. But how many people have adapted that law into their life? Mm. And there's separation of 
church and the rest of my life. Well, where am I acting one way at church? Am I acting one way around my friends that are in church? Yeah. And am I acting a different way when I'm away from all of that? Right. If, if you were to see me away from church, would you be able to differentiate between me and somebody who has never even heard the gospel? Yeah. And there is sadly people that are trying to walk in ministry that are living lives like this. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And I think we see it pretty, pretty constant in different places that we travel, we travel to, right? And so... Yeah. different, I guess, different scenarios that we find and we see. It's like, I mean, yes, they're doing ministry, but are they really living for God? Yeah. And it's, and it's like, like in some places that, that I've been, and, you know, I'm not saying anywhere specifically, but I've seen young people yeah. that are maybe like 16, 17 that have prophesied or have prayed and ministered to somebody and they have been on the money. Yeah. Like to the T. Yeah. But then they're they're full of worldliness. Right. And you know, it's it's like remembering the gifts of the spirit don't validate your right. walk with God. Well, bro, and you also <laughs> considering considering the woman with the spirit of divination. I mean, she wasn't saying nothing wrong to Paul and to She was calling them men of God. <laughs> yeah, they were the men of God. She wasn't saying anything wrong, but I guess that which was driving that woman, right? And I'm not and saying they discerned it, right? And I'm not saying that these young men or anybody in that manner is being used by a spirit of divination. Yeah. We're just trying to bring clarity to the fact that being used by God or saying something, a word of prophecy, and being spot on doesn't mean you're right with God. Doesn't mean yeah. you're living for God. We want that to happen. You know, Moses says, man, I wish that they all prophesied. And I think we've come to a time where, as some would say, this is the prophetic era. This is the, this is the golden time for the prophetic. And I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And now the pendulum is swinging, right? We're seeing different instances and circumstances. But I do believe there's a generation that is hungry for the prophetic. At the same time, though, we got to understand that the prophetic or apostleship or whatever ministry is not the pinnacle of our life. No. The pinnacle of our life is walking with God and being obedient to his voice. Mm-hmm. Either that you either either if that's uh, going to Bible college or not going to Bible college or ministering full time or not ministering full time. That that's never the pinnacle. I mean you're Yeah. And I felt this way being in Bible college well now I'm in Bible college. Like I'm somewhere type of mm-hmm. thing, you know, like the reality is that not everybody gets the opportunity to go to Bible college. You know, yeah. we have the privilege to do so. I think it was a privilege, you know, but you can get some kind of like feeling of like, man, I'm in Bible college now. You I know, got this. Yeah. This Bible college degree. To right. Show I'm qualified. Yeah. And it's not, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the kingdom. Yeah. No, 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 no. And so walking in obedience, walking in faithfulness, that's the most important thing in our life. And if God, by his grace, which that's what spiritual gifts are, favor, grace, yeah. decides for us to prophesy or um, flow in the gifts of healing or flow in the gift of the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge, if he grants us that, great. 
good. And I believe we're going to see it more and we're seeing it more. And we're both of us, we're advocates for that. I believe there's going to be young men that are going to arise with that boldness and, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and being obedient to the Lord. But we must understand we got to be grounded in truth and in love towards 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 God in our relationship with God. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I will say this because this is what you hit on. It's the golden age of the prophetic. Yeah. And the pendulum has been swinging. Yeah. And it's gotten to the place where I feel like, you know, I, I felt like when I was a young man, what was the popular ministry everybody wanted to be? It was an evangelist. Right. Now I'm seeing a lot of young people really want to be prophets. Right. The only thing I will say about that, <laughs> I can be careful, but I mean, look at what a biblical prophet was. Right. Well, is that really the life you want to live? They were they were exiled. Right. They were thrown in prison. Right. They were beaten. Jeremiah was thrown in a well. Yeah. How did it end for John the Baptist? Right. Yes, he was he was what some would say the greatest prophet of them all because he saw the Messiah right. with his own two eyes and was able to proclaim. But then he was thrown in jail and was beheaded. Right. And so, yes, it is great to be used by God. And if God calls you to that, then walk in it. Yeah. But you need to understand what you're really desiring. Right. Because a prophet is not a pretty pulpit. Oh, yeah. A, a prophet is not a pretty ministry, but the prophetic is, I believe, is a road of loneliness. Yeah. Is a is a road of pain. And I don't I don't even think that the prophetic is something that is given to somebody who's chasing it. Right. It visits you. Yeah. It's like Elisha. It comes knocking on your door. Yeah. When you don't expect it. And I think that's even the will of God in general. And I was gonna I was going to mention this because you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I don't think that you need to chase a ministry either. Right. You don't need to go looking for a ministry. If you get close to God, if you are in relationship and in obedience to God, he will lead you into that. Right. And it can unfold naturally because you, like you said, you, you weren't looking to travel. Yeah. It kind of just began to happen. Right. It was like the same thing. You know, I come here to Kerman. I didn't come here with the thought of I'm going to travel. Yeah. And I'm going to base out of this church. Right. I did know that God was going to one day lead me to missions. And, uh, you know, I made that known, but I didn't know how that was going to unfold. What I did know is God spoke to me. Yeah. You're going to go to the nation of Bangladesh. And I came here. I, I, I really only came here. Because um, Pastor Sanders was a man that I felt like I could trust and I could grow a healthy marriage. And in the beginning of a marriage, have a healthy church and a healthy pastor that I could be under that would help us grow and be able to step into the areas of ministry that God has for us. But at the same time, I never had to go out and ask you know, can you have me preach here? Yeah. Can you have me come here or whatever it is when it was God's timing? And you know, it it was a little different for me than it was for you. And I think that's fitting because we all have our individual walks with God. Right. Uh, I spent about almost two years of 
uh, working a full-time job yeah and being faithful where i was and digging deeper in my relationship with god right and then when the time came it was clear i'm on a new terrain i'm on a new path and now god's moving you into that season but it kind of reminds me of the verse that says uh, be faithful in the little things right and then god can begin to trust you yeah with some more but the the uh i wanted to to ask you this because as you've been traveling a little bit more now i have i've heard it from different voices and we even talked about it earlier that there is the turning of a generation sure and now uh, there's young people that are beginning to step up in ministry and they are beginning to be used by God. But we're talking about relationship. When it comes to beginning to minister as a young man, what are like some of the pressures that you feel with that? Some of the pressures. Well, there's, there's definitely pressures. Um, I guess there's a pressure, there's a pressure to perform. Yeah. Right. So I think that's one of the the biggest one of the biggest pressures, I would say. And we've seen it, right? We've seen it in different circumstances where it's like you're expected as a young man to come and preach faith. Yeah. And to come and preach a good message. Mm-hmm. And I don't think obviously expected to preach a good message. That's not necessarily bad or wrong. The problem is when that's all you're limited to doing and you yeah. can't do more than that. I mean, I know you've gone to different churches and you've preached for five, ten minutes and the Holy Ghost breaks out and there's mm-hmm. people being healed all over the building and things like that happen. Well, if you're stuck to the pressure of performing, you'll say, well, I got to preach this 30-minute message. I remember in Bible college saying, uh, them being said, like don't preach less or more than 20 minutes as a as a young man 20 yeah. 25 minutes well that's or, not entirely or, um, true what what was it uh i've even heard whatever your age is that's how many minutes you should be preaching really yeah yeah that's so it's like if you're 21 your max is 21 minutes yeah and so i'm i'm all for being submitted right yeah. i'm all for being submitted we need to be we young men need to be submitted at the, you know, and at but at the same time, we're also being we're also trying to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. And I'm not saying, well, you should be preaching an hour or an hour and a half, two hours all the time. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, I think this pressure to perform will limit us to doing things that have always been done and that are not going to bring any different change. Yeah. And so, if we're talking about a tur- turning of a generation. We're expecting to see, and I believe there's going to be a great harvest and revival. And I believe not only a great harvest and revival of um, of souls. I remember mm-hmm. having a dream one time, and in this dream, I remember Brother Caleb Herring uh, was here doing a revival in uh, Kerman, and we. I don't. I don't know if Pastor Sanders was here that that Wednesday night. I don't think he was, because we went out to eat. Caleb and I, and we were talking, we we're having conversation. Um, well, that night, um, I go, I go to bed, and I have a dream that we are in. We're I'm in a 
like in a university. The only way I can explain it is like Harvard or like an old school, but very like nice university, the architecture, everything, all nice. And um, I was walking in through some classrooms and I'm seeing professors teach on how to preach. And I'm looking Mm. at different students, they're young men, young men that were hungry to do ministry. And I remember sitting in the back and just looking around and some people learning how to preach. Well, I get out of there almost kind of frustrated. I leave the class and I go to the library where in the dream, uh, Brother Herring, Caleb was waiting for me. So I take my seat and I'm talking in front of him. And he tells me in the dream, he says, there's going to be a revival not only of souls, but there's a revival that's coming of spirit-led preaching. Mm. Spirit-led preaching. I believe it. And bro, I just felt a wit- I woke up, I felt a witness of the Holy Ghost as, um, as I'm thinking about this dream. Obviously, I speak to him after, and he felt a witness of the Holy Ghost um, when I told him that dream. And we believe that. We believe there's going to be a revival of spirit-led preaching. And I don't want to sound like there has never been spirit-led preaching, but I'm saying amongst this generation, I don't think we got to be stuck to a certain way or system or notes. I believe I believe all that. I believe there should be a way of doing things, but I think the most important and way to do it is by being obedient to the Holy Ghost, whatever God. I mean, I've seen young men here behind this pulpit in this church in Kerman um, speak, and they'll begin to say, thus saith the Lord, you yeah. know, and they're being obedient to the Holy Ghost. In that moment of obedience, they're impacting something. They're impacting someone. I remember speaking to, a, uh, to this prophet of God, and he talked about rambling. You know, many times mm-hmm. uh, people think, you know, I'm rambling. or And then I guess because of this, he began to have certain insecurities. Uh, and when he t- spoke to another man of God that was greatly used in the, as, as the role of a prophet um, and this whole aspect of rambling, he said, bro, it's not rambling. It's being led of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Because there's different individuals in this congregation with different problems and different circumstances. And when you think you're rambling, you're actually pinpointing one person and another person and another person. And like I said, I'm not trying to be an advocate for not being prepared or kind of just winging it when you go behind the pulpit. What I'm being an advocate for is be led of the Holy Ghost. Be obedient to the Spirit of God. Do as God wants you to do, you know. There's going to be times where it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. There's going to be times where you've never done that. It's as in the gifts of the Spirit. There's going to be that moment. You've never done that before, so it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, the first time you preach is going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're going to have to be obedient, radically obedient to what God is wanting you to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And And I'm thinking of, too, like, there has to be room as a young person to make mistakes. Yeah. Because obviously we're not always going to get it right, especially when you're not used to it. Right. But 
are you going to allow the insecurity of, you know, I missed it one time to dictate, you know, am I disqualified from the ministry? Right. And obviously you do need to be careful where, because you getting it wrong, depending on in what avenue you're ministering, right. can really affect somebody. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have to understand that we are all learning and striving to right. do everything we can for God and his kingdom. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but we shape our, you know, our decision making okay. on our past experiences. Yeah. Where, um, you know, let's say I'm a toddler and I go, you know, I take a fork and I stick it in an outlet. Yeah. What's going to happen? I'm going to get shocked. Right. So I'm not going to take a fork and stick it in the outlet again. Yeah. Well, the kingdom of God doesn't always work like that. Yeah. Because sometimes God's going to lead you for the first time Yeah. to give a tongues or interpretation. Right. And it might not, it might not work out the first time. You yeah. might miss the mark a little bit. Right. You might question it and the word doesn't come out exactly like God intended the first time. Does that mean your ministry's over? No. N never. Yeah. But it does mean that here's an area where I need to learn right and I need to grow. And I think um and I don't want to say anything like like it's the older generation's fault yeah. because it's not, but we do have to make room where you know, if if you mess up that doesn't mean your ministry's over. Right. It's a it's a way where you can learn. Yeah. I want to highlight two things. Um, we're talking about being used of God, right? I yeah. think we set a foundation about our identity with God. Yeah. That it's not it's not ministry and it's mm -hmm. not what you do for God. So I want people to understand that first of all, you establish your relationship with God through prayer, reading of the word, fasting, yeah. know who you are in God, know that you're a son of God. You don't have to earn anything. You're not trying to perform your way into God liking you. God loves you. Um, he gives you grace right. to be used. Exactly. And so God is transforming you, molding you, doing things in your life. Now, in this very instance of being used by God, there's two things. The very fact that um, the proximity to your pastor is huge. It's huge. Yes. Because you're being used of God by a young man. And, bro, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to say I, I probably haven't I haven't gotten it right all the time. Mm -hmm. But neither have I. Yeah. But because of the proximity to Pastor Sanders to say, hey, what you know, what did you feel, what you think? And he can genuinely tell me, well, this is this is what's going on, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember one time I preached somewhere and I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Holy Ghost that told them, but I'm pretty sure somebody else told them something that I said. And I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to say it in a bad way, yeah. Um, but he, uh, he heard, um, he heard of, I guess, what I preached or what I said, and it wasn't necessarily wrong what I had said, but it was probably just not time for me to say that. Mm -hmm. And so he actually spoke to me, and bro, I remember he sent me an email, and I remember. It was, uh, it was like a scalpel, man, just, you know, doing surgery on me. Yeah. And I took it and I prayed it into my spirit. 
I said, I'm going to receive this. And I'm going to allow the man of God to speak into my life as God has anointed him to do so. And it might feel uncomfortable. It might hurt. It might be like, man, like I messed up yeah. or I did you, something I wasn't supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you might not even agree with it at first. Yeah, but at the same time, that's why God, that's why God sent me here and God sent him into my life to help me. Now, the other thing that I wanted to highlight was the very fact that in making these mistakes, you got to make sure if you're going to, if you're going to make a mistake, you did it out of sincerity yeah. and not out of pride and not out of uh, your own ego or selfishness. You know, there's going to be times where we're going to mess up, but I got to keep my motive pure and say, I was being sincere. You know, there's going to be times we'll pray for somebody and we have the faith that they get up from that wheelchair and they might not get up. Mm-hmm. But I was sincere in my motive that I believe God can do it. Yeah. Now, if he decides to heal that person or not, that's up to God. Yeah. You know, but I'm not, I can't be trying to go pray for somebody just for me to post it on Twitter. Exactly. You know, or pray about the Holy or preach about the Holy Ghost and have X amount of people receive the Holy Ghost just for me to go post it on Twitter. You know, and God so, doesn't share his glory. Exactly. My, I got to have a sincere and genuine heart towards, I want to do what God's called me to do. And I want him to get all the glory for it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm even thinking about first, I'm, I'm so glad about what you said with uh, regards to being in proximity to your pastor, because first thing as a young person who wants to be used by God, if you are not submitted to authority, you don't even have a place to do anything for God. Right. Because right. God operates through the avenues of submission. Right. He's made that clear in his word. And so you need a pastor to to teach you, to direct you, to correct you. Right. And here's the thing, because you know, some people they try to say, well, they they get corrected. And I'm yeah. not talking about anybody specific, but there are some people that they might get corrected and then they're like, well, my pastor isn't the right person for me. Let me go find a new one. Yeah. Well, here's, I re, I'll never forget when uh, the pastor I had growing up, uh, Pastor Anthony Cox, he was teaching on submission. Yeah. And he said, he said, there, there is no test of submission until there's disagreement. Yeah. How do you know you're submitted to your leadership? when there's a disagreement. Right. Because now you have to say, well, he's my leader. He's yeah. my pastor. And I need to submit my will to what God's will is, which right. is for me to be under my pastor. Right. And um, that's so important to have. If you're not under, if you're not submitted to authority, there's no place for you to be able to be used by God in the right. kingdom. And then I will say this too, is um, the matter of the heart in your in the way you minister. Oh, yeah. Because I would say that I can take an extreme view on this, but I hold strong to it because the Bible does say that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Yeah. And if I am trying to use the Holy Ghost... For my own gain. Yeah. I would say you're in rebellion. Oh, yeah. If you are trying to to go and prophesy to somebody 
or you're going to try to pray for somebody to be healed for the intention of, look at what I did. Yeah. Well, if you're claiming that that was your work, yeah. well, who are the ones that claim that it's their own spiritual work? Right. It's, it's witches. It's these uh, warlocks and different people. They're the ones that are trying to manifest these right. things for their own gain. Well, are you trying to manifest a move of God for your own gain? Sure. To me, that kind of sounds like it's the same rooted spirit. Oh, yeah. And bro, I would even go as to say, I believe that the that the place where the purest form of anointing flows is in your prayer closet. Oh, yeah. And so you can prophesy in your prayer closet. Yep. You can impact the kingdom of God, nations, cities in your prayer closet. Mm-hmm. And if you're just looking to do that publicly, it became about performance. Yeah, because you want people to see it. Rather than about flowing in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. There's times where it's just going to be you and somebody else in a prayer room, and you'll feel a word. Well, nobody's there to see you with the microphone in your hand giving a word. Mm-hmm. Or you're in a coffee shop. And we've been there, bro. We've we've both been sitting together in a coffee shop and you give me a word. You could have easily waited for you to have the microphone and give me that word. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that in a service. There's time and a place for that. What I'm saying is I do believe that there's aspects of that behind a pulpit that can be shown in your private personal life. Yeah. In a walk with God, in your Mm -hmm. prayer room, you know, you're prophesying about a nation. Well, how much are you praying about it? And we don't know. I genuinely don't. I genuinely don't know the the secret prayer life of somebody else. Yeah. I know mine and -hmm. I know that I got to keep my motive right. And I know that I got to keep my heart right. And I know that I got to, I'm hearing and repeating as some would say, right? I I'm trying to hear from the Holy Ghost and I'm trying to speak the word of the Lord, you know? And so there's been moments that I've been in my prayer room by myself in this sanctuary and I'll be feeling certain things in the spirit, Yeah, you know? Um, I went to India. I came back. I believe there's going to be a revival in Pentecostal Tabernacle of people from the nation of India. And I start preaching it and I, or I start prophesying and praying about it as I'm receiving it through the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Well, bro, we've seen people, I've never even touched on it, but we've seen people come that are from the nation of India and sit in our services. Mm -hmm. I believe that God heard those prayers as done in the Holy Ghost and I didn't have to do it publicly for it to be validated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So I I think we got to strive to allow God to move in our prayer rooms um, in such a way that when we're in a public setting, it's just an overflow. It's an yeah. overflow of our relationship with God. It's an overflow of a word that we got in prayer. It's an overflow of our times in fasting, of that, of those wells that we've been digging up and we've been praying and we've been in the word. I believe that public ministry should be an overflow of your private personal relationship with God. Yeah, and it, and it makes it, it brings you back to when Jesus was instructing where you should pray. He says, find a closet, find yeah. a place 
where there's nobody else around. Right. And the father that sees you in secret will reward you openly. openly. And, but that's another thing. You are not entitled to the reward. It's by the grace of God. Right. That you receive the reward. And while you were saying that, I was thinking, uh, I thought of this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 12, when God is instructing the people of Israel as they're establishing, being established as the separate tribes. He talks about the sacrifice and uh, verse 13, Deuteronomy chapter 12, take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that you see. Mm. And I remember reading this and God impressed it on me that he is very clear that the sacrifice is not to be made just in any kind of place that you see. Yeah. So when your walk with God, the extent of your walk with God is when people are seeing it and what people are are yeah. looking when they're looking at yeah. you, that is dangerous. Oh yeah. Because the sacrifices I make to God should not be out in the open for everybody to see. My personal convictions, the things that I lay down, the things that I give to God, no not everybody needs to know about that. Yeah. But the fruits show. Right. And when you are used by God. Because when you minister, I'll, I'll just, I mean, you can see when somebody who is ministering is carnal yeah. or whether they're prayed up. Yeah. You can, t- like, I, I can tell when somebody gets up and ministers, this man has a relationship with God. Oh, yeah. There's a depth to it. There's a, there's a, a, a genuineness to it. There's some, when somebody has a relationship with God, you can see how much they care. Oh yeah. Because when when you're in relationship with God, you carry the burden of God. Right. For his church. Right. For the harvest. Yeah. And you can tell when somebody doesn't have that. Yeah. And you start feeling those emotions God yeah. God feels. Yeah, exactly. You know, either that be that either that be that burden or many times, you know, certain anger or frustration. You know, as the scripture would put it, the zeal of the Lord consumes me. You know, yeah. and we see certain things. And I think we've both gone through that, uh, those times and those instances where we see certain things. And it's like, why is it, why is it that way? Mm-hmm. Why, why is a church like this? I mean, it's, it's a pretty big burden upon me that we, <laughs> and the guest preacher that was here yesterday said it, there's churches that have been, in their buildings, in the same buildings for 30, 40, 50 years now. Yeah. We're talking about us believing for harvest and revival, and I believe it. And matter of fact, we've seen it. Yeah. Oh, we've seen it. I, I've i seen it here in Kerman. I've seen it in Modesto. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in Chiapas, Mexico, in... In Warangal, India, like mm-hmm. we've seen it. Yeah. It's a matter of us really saying, you know what? We're going to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. We're going to do what God's called us to do. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And it's that passion, that zeal, that that fervency, and allowing yourself to almost kind of feel the emotions of God. Like, I'm not going to stay comfortable. I'm not going to stay comfortable because I got this or I got that. Yeah, you know, I I need to go deeper. Yeah, you know? and when you when you feel those emotions that God feels, 
you start to prioritize the thing God prioritizes. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, at first, like, for example, giving up Instagram yeah. was hard. Yeah. But when you walk close to God, you realize Instagram doesn't matter to God. Oh, yeah. He really doesn't care that much about it. Yeah. He cares about his kingdom. He cares about that every man would come to repentance. Right. And he doesn't care about, <laughs> I had Dutch bros today. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, yeah. look at my drink. And and I understand the social aspect of it, but really doesn't matter that much when it comes to the kingdom. Right. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to go into this, but I just feel like touching on this is I've seen, you know, us as as younger people we have i feel like more than other other generations have an entrepreneurial way to our, ourselves mm. you know it's i've seen a lot of young people they start their own businesses yeah they uh they make their own moves and find new innovative ways to make money and make a living for themselves and and it's good for you to be able to provide in that sense yeah. especially as a man but um I've also seen the shift in the spirit mm. of people that are not willing to give everything because now they've seen that it's more convenient and it's better materially or financially yeah. for me to build a career and a ministry at the same time. Yeah. But how many people out there are really saying, God, I give my whole life to you. Right. If you don't want me to work, I won't work. Yeah. If you do want me to work, I'll work. Yeah. If you want me to pack up my bags and go all the way across the world. Go to Bangladesh. <laughs> then what what's yeah. gonna stop it? And you know, I had the I had to have the conversate the awkward conversations with different people, uh, especially when you go to Bible college. What yeah. are you gonna do with a Bible college degree? Yeah. Really, what are you going to do with a Bible college degree? Yeah, that was the first. Well, that was the first question my mom asked me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's the first question a lot of people get yeah, yeah. going to Bible college. But in reality, you know, when I was even faced with that question, I just thought like I'm not here to build something, you know, in a worldly aspect. Right. If we've heard it our whole lives that we are the last days generation yeah. that we're going to see the rapture. Right. And I've heard it preached being raised in church yeah. that, that the rapture is coming. There's a great harvest coming. Well, look, I'm getting to the point and I'll just be real transparent. I agree. And I believe wholeheartedly the harvest, the sure. harvest, there's a last day harvest, but instead of preaching about it's coming, okay, my prayers have shifted. Yeah. God, what do I need to do to see this happen? Right. And, you know, it. I, I just wonder if there's, if there's still people out there, and I believe that there is, yeah. but how many are going to catch the mind of God, grab hold of the emotions of God with their whole heart and yeah. say something like, God, what do I need to do? to see what you desire come to pass. How can I be your handiwork in the world today? Oh, yeah. Are, are you willing to still, you know, you, you think of elders like like T.W. Barnes. Yeah. Uh, Brother Kilgore. Yeah. 
different men of God. They gave everything. Yeah, Brother Cole. Yeah, Brother Cole. I think it was Brother Kilgore that preached a message about his own dad. Yeah. Um, that gave up literally everything. And uh, I, I don't know who, who it was that preached it, but somebody even preached a message that, that their dad had given so much to the kingdom that they had to preach and they had to go to a thrift store and buy a suit jacket for 50 cents. Wow. Because they had nothing left. Wow. And their priority was, I need to look presentable because there's a will that God has for this service yeah. today. And, you know, we obviously need to be wise. Yeah. And I know the argument of, you know, we're, we're not in the Great Depression anymore. Yeah. And so we need to be wise with our money. But at the same time, has it become unpopular to give everything to God? Yeah. I will say now I do want to give, uh, I guess, a special mention and shout out to CLC again, because I think in chapel services and even real times, there was those moments of realizing, and I'm willing to give everything. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to give it all. And just different CLC originals that were about that, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm giving everything. I'm giving, and yeah. I can remember, bro, like moments in those pews that I knew, like once I left college, and even during, I think during Bible college, it's like, God, whatever you want me to do, yeah. wherever you want me to go, um, whatever you want me to say. I remember I struggled so much, bro. I struggled so much my freshman year at the calling that God had placed upon my life, and I was sitting, I was sitting in in one of the uh, pews towards the back, and it was during the revival with Pastor Sanders. And I've mentioned this stories, this story in different places that I've preached, um, even here in Kerman. But I remember I was struggling because I was feeling like, man, God's giving me these words of conviction. Mm-hmm. And I'm going into these churches as an 18, 19 year old. For the longest time, I really felt like, I don't know if I should be preaching this, you know, or I felt that pressure of like, Man, I like, I don't know. I don't, you know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was hearing from God and I was going into these churches. And bro, God would do amazing things. But the temptation came of like, well, what if I just kind of chill out or relax, you know? And obviously there's wisdom in all of that and how you present the message. But ultimately, at the end of the day, going back to it, you got to say what God wants you to say. Exactly. Well, Pastor Sanders came up to me. This is still before him being my pastor. This is my freshman year. And God said, and he said, um, I see God told him, um, he was directed by the Holy Ghost. And he told me, he said, God's called you to be a conviction preacher. And if you're not going to preach conviction, uh, he, or he mentioned, you're not, you're not called to be a, a self help preacher, mm-hmm. but to be a conviction preacher. And if you're not going to preach conviction, don't ever open up your Bible again. Bro, and he just turned around and left. Mm. Well, that did so much to me. So I'm like, I need to do what God's called me to do. Yeah. I have my identity. I'm the son, I'm a son of God. I need to go and do what God's called me to do. Yeah. I need to do it. You know, and if that is to move across the country, bro, across across the globe, so be it. Mm-hmm. So be it. You know, uh, I remember Pastor, and I, I've referenced Pastor Sanders quite a bit in this episode, but I mean, bro, I, like, 
going into Bible college. He did that one year revival. So that's kind of where I learned. Yeah, that's kind of where I learned a lot. For, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, there he, was for a while. he was almost kind of one more another professor. You yeah. Know? And obviously now being a being our pastor, but uh preaching the message of what about eternity? And I mm. remember he would yell. I remember that. What about eternity? Yeah. And when you look into the perspective of of that, of what about eternity? Bro, little things stop. Like, they don't matter. Exactly. They don't, they do not matter. Mm-hmm. And so I I think we both like, we both like dressing good for church and having good stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And God blessed me with a car. You know, I didn't have to pay a penny for it, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, God Miracle. blessed me with a new car. God did a miraculous work. I didn't earn it. It was God's grace. Mm-hmm. He gave it to me. Bro, but little things like material things don't matter in the big picture. Yeah. It's about the kingdom of God and it's about expanding his kingdom. And yeah. when us young people begin to understand that, we'll realize I'll, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'll move wherever God wants. Bro, you're moving to Bangladesh. I don't know of anybody else in the last three to four or five years of how old are you? 23? 24. 24 mm-hmm. that are doing stuff like that, bro. You know, like you're moving there with your wife to a country. You've been only there there once. Mm-hmm. You're moving out there pretty much most of what you have. Um, and it's, it's for me, it's, it's a big reminder of we need to do what God's called us to do. Yeah. We need to do what God's called us to do. We need to be obedient. We need to be, and bro, all the scripture is about being obedient. When you mm-hmm. can talk, oh, what about the sacrifices in the Old Testament? You realize that God asked them to give those things. It was all out of obedience. It was out of obedience, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah. Even the gospel, it says believe and obey. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul writes that believing and obeying, yeah. it's about obedience. It's not about us deciding to do whatever just because because of whatever it's obeying god so if tomorrow god says you need to move there and obviously under the channels of authority that i have which is pastor sanders um and i think in a sense my parents which are godly christians that have raised me and god's used them in great way and i'm thankful for them i remember my dad i was sitting with my dad a few days ago it was his 50th birthday and he was telling me, man, I feel like I haven't really done much. I want to do more. And mm-hmm. I kind of stopped him. And I understood what he was saying, but I just wanted to make sure. I wanted yeah. to make sure that he understood that I think you've done more than what you've realized. Because you you, you supported your son to go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And you supported him in many different ways, financially, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And now I've gone to places that my dad's never going to go to. Mm-hmm. But he supported me in that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he might never go to these places and might never travel around the country preaching. I don't know what God has for him. But the very fact that, I mean, it almost reminds me of like Hannah, right? With my mom and dad. Yeah. Gave up and Samuel becomes a prophet. Everybody knew he was a prophet. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like even us young men, I mean, your pastor, and if you're hearing your your dad, your mom, they might not be these great ministers or pastor or whatever, but just remember you know, remember how much they've done for you. Yeah. How much, and like I said, there's different circumstances and situations. I understand all that, but I'm speaking for myself and even for some individuals that you grew up in a Christian home. Yeah, maybe they didn't have it all figured out and maybe there was, I mean, difficult situations and circumstances. I understand all that. 
but the fact that they supported you. Some of them have had great support, you know, in traveling and moving and going. We mm-hmm. we had to never forget that, bro. Yeah, exactly. And it's the math of the kingdom. Yeah. Because you don't know. The kingdom is is God's people. It's it's God's will. And and there's much more to the kingdom of God. But the greatest way to expand his kingdom is to reach people. Yeah. And sometimes we don't notice that. And it's it's beautiful for you to be able to see that in your in your own dad. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to see it in yourself. Oh yeah. Where you are called to help somebody. Yeah. And you don't know that the person that you help could reach thousands of people. Oh yeah. And if they would have never been ministered to, if they never would have uh, heard the gospel, obviously we don't get the credit. God gets the credit. But it's just, it's the beauty of being obedient to the Holy Ghost. Right. Well, man, you you go back to the story of uh, the conversion of Paul, Mm -hmm. right? And so Paul's converted. And at this point, he's blinded. And he has to go, or he's not yet converted. He had an encounter with the Lord, but he's blinded now. Yeah. And he has to go to the house of this man or that takes him in. Yeah. That against everybody else's opinion of, man, this is Saul of Tarsus. Hey, like this they, is a man that probably, persecuted Yeah, Christians. they're probably telling him like, this guy might come and kill you. Yeah. But he had a word from God and mm-hmm. he obeyed the Holy Ghost and he gave up what he had yeah. to help a man that will ultimately go and evangelize a lot of, you know, the Gentile nations. Would reach the Gentiles. You know, like that's that's crazy even to think about it. Yeah. And you might not be that far away from impacting somebody that you don't you don't even know who they're who they are yeah. gonna impact. Exactly. Who they're gonna reach and who they're gonna preach to. And it's just we gotta continue in being obedient to God and his voice, hearing, hearing him speak. Bro. I mean, the other day, um, I came back home late, and there was somebody inside of the annex. I, you know, I told Pastor, and it, it was late, bro. It was pretty mm-hmm. late. Um, <clears throat> there was a couple there. Well, um, although it was a little sketchy, I will say this, and like I said, I mean, for those listening, you you can you can believe what you want. I know what I what I heard, and I know what I felt. Yeah. The moment that I put the key inside, I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me and say, there's somebody inside. I couldn't see it from outside. There was mm-hmm. no lights on. There was no door open. And there was somebody inside. Mm-hmm. Well, it was this couple. And I felt a little, I felt calm because I was like, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. We'll be like, we'll be all right, you yeah. know, type of thing. Yeah. And they were, long story short, they had kind of been stranded out here but they did have a home like 45 minutes away. So now I got to give them a ride in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. you know, 45, these strangers. Well, bro, I'm driving and uh, the guy sits in the back and she sits in the front and they had a baby with them. And I took the chance to speak to them about Jesus, Mm -hmm. which it was a perfect opportunity. I mean, you come, you try to, I get some safety in a church. Yeah. Now yeah. I got to give you a ride. Like, why not talk to him about Jesus? Yeah. And the lady's crying and stuff. And I feel like God's doing something. 
Well, the next Sunday that I was home, because I'm not usually home on Sundays here in Kerman, I'm, I'm ministering out. Mm-hmm. She's here. And she comes wow. up to me in the altar call weeping. And it's like, bro, like, God is intentional about who he puts in our lives. Yeah, that's right. You know, I could have acted, and I understand the safety aspect. I understand. I probably, I don't even know if I told my parents or my mom about this. You'd probably, you know, freak out or whatever, or whatever. But um, I'm in the middle of the night taking these people. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what God is going to do, but I'm just reminded of for whosoever will. Yeah. For whosoever will, whosoever has a desire. I don't know if that lady's still coming to church, but I'll tell you what, a seed was planted. Something is moving in her heart. The Bible lets us know some plant, some water. Yeah. God gives the increase. Yeah. For all I know, bro, somebody's going to go to her city 45 minutes away from here in the middle of nowhere. Literally, bro, it was in the middle of nowhere. And somebody might speak to her about Jesus again, about mm-hmm. being baptized in Jesus' name, about getting the Holy Ghost. Or maybe she's coming. I don't know. There's some yeah. ladies here that I think got her contact information and are keeping up with her. I'm yeah. just saying, you don't know who you're going to impact. Exactly. You don't know that. Yeah. And if you're obedient to God, you just never know. Yeah. It's like uh, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean yeah. not to your own understanding. Right. And he will direct your path. Yeah. It's that reminder that we don't need to lean on our own understanding. We don't need to let it all add up in our mind. You might have thought, you know, in your own mind, man, like these people could rob me or whatever. You yeah, know, I give them my, I, I give them a ride. They could steal my car and yeah. drop me off in the middle <laughs> Leave of nowhere, me stranded, bro. Yeah, and but the Holy Ghost spoke to you. Yeah, and that is God directing your path. Yeah. In the little things. And that's, that's, I guess we could probably close it out after this, but it's that reminder that when it comes to God directing your path, we a lot of times think of the miles ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, God spoke to me. God gave me a vision that I'm going to preach to thousands of people. Yeah. That's miles down the road. God gave you a taste of it by his grace, and I'm thankful for it, but it's miles down the road. Sure. You are trying to, you're trying to look at what's way far ahead. Yeah. But when God leads your path, when he directs your path, it's the little steps. It's, it's one step in front of the other. And I remember like I was, uh, like how, I like how you were talking about your dad, my mom, you know, she, she's never, you know, preached and, and, you know, done anything crazy in regards to ministry, but my mom's a praying lady. Yeah. She prayed for me. And, uh, I, I believe a lot of the fruit of what God has allowed in my life has come from a mother's prayers. But I remember I was telling her, like, I don't know, like in regards to Bible college, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know, how am I supposed to find this direction? And she told me, she said, don't worry about that. Just worry day by day. Yeah. And she told me the verse, tomorrow will worry about itself. Tomorrow will worry about itself. That's right. Yeah. And that's God directing your path. Yeah. Is you, like how you said, we leave that vein of prayer, that channel of prayer open throughout the day. Yeah. And the spirit will begin to impress things upon you. Right. It could be. A big decision, it could be a small thing. Right. God could tell you, 
you know, I need you to go to this place today. I need you to pray for this person today. You know, he he could lead you. You don't know why you have to go to Walmart. Yeah. But the Holy Ghost, you know, some people might think that's weird. Call me weird. But yeah. if the Holy Ghost tells me to go to Walmart. We go to Walmart, bro. <laughs> there could be somebody there. Yeah. And even if there's not, I'm still glad I went. Yeah. Because I was showing God that I'm being obedient. Yeah. And he can trust me. Yeah, I got, you know, a friend of mine, and this has happened in my own personal life as well, but a friend of mine, he uh, he was hungry to hear the voice of God, right, mm-hmm. very clearly. So he felt impressed by God to go on a three-day fast. Yeah. Well, after the three-day fast, I mean, you got to meet this guy. He's a he's a funny, quirky, interesting guy. You've met him. Um, but he has a hunger for God, man. He's in Bible yeah. college now. Well, after that three-day fast, I mean, he's just kind of praying underneath his bread. Like, he's mm-hmm. praying, he's praying. And the Lord leads him to Walmart. Well, in Walmart, he, I mean, the the Lord is literally giving him giving him directions: turn right, turn left, go here, mm-hmm. go there. And he comes to encounter three individuals separately that were either backslidden, they had just lost a family member, mm-hmm. or they were going through a difficult circumstance. Wow! But God literally led him step by step. Two individuals that needed a sure word from God. Yeah. And matter of fact, he didn't even know much of what he was going to say. All he knew was God is leading me and God mm-hmm. is speaking to me. Well, the first miracle I've ever seen with my own eyes was God literally telling me that I was going to pray for a man that had knee problems. And I thought it was just my own mind yeah. until he pointed him out to me. And God told me, that's the man. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I prayed for him and he got healed there in the middle of the street. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing of what we've talked about is being obedient to the voice of God, being radically spirit-led, Yeah, you know, just walk with God in relationship with God, do what God wants you to do. Um, and probably my last comments, but I remember Pastor Sanders mentioning a few days ago that the, that the temptation in ministry, in ministry, the temptation is to go faster, yeah, but the necessity is to go deeper. He yeah. said, the temptation is to go faster, but the necessity is to go deeper. So my responsibility is I want to go deep in the things of God. I want to know God. I want to know him more every single day. What he likes, what he doesn't like, what mm-hmm. he loves, what he does, what he hates. There's things that God does hate. And we yep. got to find those things out. Yep. You know, we got to read through his word and feel it impress upon our spirit. Mm-hmm. I don't think just because you're a pastor, an evangelist, apostle, pastor, whatever, whatever you are in ministry, that does not exempt you from being convicted by the Holy Ghost in certain aspects of your life. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so God is always transforming us because as we mentioned in the beginning, the biggest thing in our life is to be predestined to be conformed, is that we're predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Yeah. We have to be conformed to being like him. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's the culmination of all of it. Because... You know, and I felt the burden to talk about identity in God, yeah. but the identity isn't ministry. Right. The identity is relationship. When right. you're a son of God and you're a child of God, and the only way to do that is to be led by his spirit and to be conformed to his image, right. to be more like him, because that's what... You know, I've, you've heard it so many times, it's almost cliche, but it's true. That's the definition of being a Christian. 
Right. Being like Christ. Right. Man, and we can, I mean, we can talk forever, but the reality that when they called them Christians, they reminded them of Christ. Yeah, exactly. A Christian never called themselves Christian. Like, it was other people that looked at them and said, man, that's, it was, it was kind of in a mocking way, like making fun of them. Yeah. Those are the little Christ. Man, they walk like Jesus. They speak like Jesus. They Mm -hmm. do things like Jesus. You know, and let it be said of us, man, he talks like Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. It's the greatest honor. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a friend of God. They're a son of God, a true son of God. Yeah, man, and I feel the Holy Ghost in that. And I will say to those that are listening, you try to find your identity in God, and you might be looking for the avenue of a ministry, but in reality, get close to God dig in his word, gain a relationship with him, get close to him, because that's what he wanted from creation. Right. That's, that was his desire for mankind. Yeah. Is to have relationship. And God will lead you into that. Yeah. I don't think, and and you'll probably agree with me, that now you have to agree with me because I yeah. said that. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But you, I even forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, but I disagree. <laughs> No, uh, um, what I was going to say is um, when you don't always have to have a burning bush experience. Right. But a lot of times God will simply just lead you into the place of ministry that he would have for you to be in. Right. And it's not that. And I'm thankful for when he speaks it. But that's not always what it looks like. Yeah. It's a day to day. You will. You will. Be led by his spirit, and he'll lead you right into it once yeah. the timing is right. The door's open, but when you're led by the spirit, he'll bring you through that doorway. Yeah. And you'll be in the ministry God has for you. Yeah. And I was going to talk about a lot more. I was even going to hit on frustration, things like that. Yeah. But um, I think this is a good place to close. And maybe, maybe I'll just use that as a teaser. Of, we'll have you on another episode. Yeah, next episode. Yeah. Um, man, I'm so thankful that you're able to come and record this with me. Um, I want for, to close it out for you to just pray for the listeners. Sure. If you can. Yeah. And bro, I want to thank you, uh, to conclude, I want to thank you for what you're doing and the burden, uh, that you're answering to what you're doing. Obviously kind of, I mean, it's a private slash public setting because we are being recorded, but yeah, I, I admire what you're doing for God and, um, I'm here supporting you, praying for you. Thank you. And I love you, man. I know you're going to Bangladesh here pretty soon, which is kind of like a bittersweet thing because I feel like after Bible college, we got pretty, we got closer. Yeah. So we got pretty close. So um, I love you and I appreciate you, man. And thank you for what you're doing. Yes, sir. Love you too. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity that you gave us to participate in this podcast. God, I pray that you may move upon the heart and the minds of every listener 
that you may move Jesus Christ upon that burden that we're feeling to help us understand that it's about obeying your voice and obeying your spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you may move Jesus with such a burden upon the individuals that are listening to do that what you're calling us to do. And for us also to understand that the most important thing in our life is to be in relationship with you, is to be in oneness with you, is to be synchronized with you. I love you and I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, everybody that has tuned in and listened. Go out and be blessed and be a blessing to somebody.